Exodus chapter 16. And tonight we're going to look at basically verses 1 through 21 as we go through that. And we're going to continue our study of the book of Exodus. We're seeing God's deliverance of his people, the nation of Israel, from bondage in Egypt. And it's powerful because what we've seen is God take his people out of Egypt, safely across the Red Sea. God is the one who provides and protects. We're seeing about 2 million people. that We're estimating that. We know that just from the numbers that we see later on, that there are over 600,000 what they call fighting men. So if you say 600,000 plus the women and the children that go with them, there's probably over 2 million. There could even be 3 million people. Well, we estimate at least 2 million people. They're following the leadership of Moses as he follows God's leading. And God leads them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They head to Mount Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai. They encounter problems. And there's an entire nation of people in the wilderness. How will they make it? How will they get food? How will they get water? And what some of the things we'll see is how do the people respond? How does Moses respond? And what does God do? And we see really some key pictures here. We see man's failure, but once again, God's provision. He does it over and over. In fact, I like to call it this. Man grumbles, God is gracious. And that's what we are. We grumble all the time. We say, how come God didn't do that? What's going on here? How come this isn't the way it's supposed to be? God's working all this out. In our study tonight, we see it's so true in our lives that in the trials and problems of life, we tend to grumble, and God tends to be gracious, and that's the way he is. Well, let's start with prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for each one that has come. We know that a lot of people are still out of town, and uh, we just thank you, Lord, for the ones that uh, come tonight, uh, those who really have a heart to know the Word and, and uh, uh, share with each other and to come and to encourage one another. And it encourages me so much that they're here. Thank you, Lord, for just the fun of coming together and looking at the Word of God. Lord, the book of Exodus we know is powerful. So much there. Teach us, Lord, as we, as we look through the passage tonight. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, sometimes in life we don't know what to do. We we come to a hard time. We come to some things that seem to be overwhelming. And we say, I don't know what to do. Sometimes it might be a loss of a job or sickness or failure somehow. We go to the doctor. We just don't, don't tell him. Maybe the stock market keeps falling and we think, what am I going to do about my retirement? All those kind of things that people say. Sometimes we just look at the situation and we don't know what to do. But the great truth from God's Word is that God will always provide and protect. And I think as you look at the next slide, God will provide us and protect us. Philippians 4.19. He'll supply all our needs. Hebrews 13. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? The truth is this in the trials and problems of life God will provide God is always there and we're able to make it as we look at Exodus 16 we're going to see once again that God provides for his people there's two million people in the desert have you thought about that I mean two million people in the desert and and how are they going to make it how are they going to get food and water I mean, you know, I, you know, oftentimes I just thought about this. I said, you know, he brought the people out and they did this and they did this. I thought, I never really stopped to think about food for all those people every day and water for all those people every day. Well, we see their natural response. They're grumbling. They grumble when they came. We already saw that they came to the wilderness of Shur and they found no water or the water that was there was not drinkable and they were all mad and griping and, and and we saw how they responded, but we see the supernatural response of God. It's the grace of God, and he does the same for us. Well, let's begin. Let's see where we are. The nation has come out of Egypt. They've been there for over 400 years. By God's hand, they've been brought out. The nation of slaves are now free. God has brought them out supernaturally, parted the Red Sea, brought them safely across. The Egyptian army drowned after singing two songs, <laughs> Song of Moses and Song of Miriam. Uh, they're following Moses' leadership. 
Well, they came to a place they'd been three days away, and as they got there, there was no water, and they grumbled, and, and they, uh, the water was bitter. They couldn't drink it, and the people grumbled, but we saw God's grace. He told, them to take, take, told Moses to take some wood, a part of a tree, and throw it into the water, and when he threw it into the water, it made the water drinkable. I don't know how that worked, but he did. And at the end of chapter 15, look at verse 27. Look what he did. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Now, how many tribes of the nation of Israel are there? Twelve, and so when you think about it, he, he had these, these 12 springs of water for each of the tribes, 70 date palms, they camped by the water. And I put it this way, God always does beyond what we could imagine. You look back on your life, and you pray about things, you think about things, you say, oh Lord, I wish this would happen, or I don't know what to happen. And sometimes what we pray for doesn't come true, but what you find out is what actually came true, what God actually did, was better than what you had prayed for. Haven't there been times in your life you say, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer? Because now I look back and this is a lot better than what I was really thinking. Because he always does better. They're about to go further into the wilderness. What's going to happen? Look at verse 1, chapter 16. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. So they're on the way to Mount Sinai. It's on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. Does anybody remember when they left the land of Egypt? They left on what day? Anybody remember? Passover. That's on the 14th day of the first month. It's now the what? The 15th day of the second month. They've been gone from Egypt about a month. And, uh, in fact, I think that's the slide. Yeah, they've been gone from Egypt about a month. And the questions are this. How are they going to make it? And you picture this mass of people. Let me show you some things. First of all this. They figure that if you look, took the people group, it's about two-thirds the size of Rhode Island. The people group as they're moving. So it's like two-thirds the size of, Rhode, size of Rhode Island moving around. Second, think about this. They needed approximately 1,500 tons of food daily just to feed these people, and 11 million gallons per day for drinking and washing. I mean, it's just amazing. And, and how are they going to make it? Where are you going to get that kind of water in the wilderness? I mean, let's say, let me ask this question. Where is there water in the wilderness? There's really not any. And where are you going to get food for all these people? I mean, they didn't come out with sacks full of food saying, well, this should last us. You know, the truth is this. When they got to Mount Sinai, which is where they're heading, they were at Mount Sinai for a good while. And then when they left Mount Sinai, it's 11 days' journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. They were only supposed to be gone 11 days before they got to the Promised Land and went into the Promised Land. I mean, 11 days after Mount Sinai. And so uh, we know it ended up being 40 years because of their refusal to go into the land. So watch what happens. Look at chapter 16. Look at verse 2. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, if you think about Moses, how old is Moses? Think about this. He spent 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, because he was 40 years old when he got, went there and he left and had to go out and he was at 40 years in the wilderness. He's 80 years old when he came back to, to Egypt. So he's 80 years old. Now, you know what an 80-year-old man might say? I, I'm not going to put up with this stuff. I've had enough. I mean, I've, I've spent my whole life taking care of stuff, 
Right? For the first 40 years of his life, he was in Egypt, and he was in Pharaoh's household, and he was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt. And then from age 40 to age 80, he was on the backside of the desert in Midian, taking care of Jethro's sheep, and, and probably wondering, why am I taking care of all these stupid sheep? Because what God was going to do is bring him back and be the shepherd of Israel and take care of two million sheep, two million people. He's leading the people. He's their shepherd. They're grumbling. They're grumbling against Moses and against Aaron. But it's not really against Moses and Aaron. Who's it against? It's God. It's God. That's who it's against. We're going to see in verse uh, 8, it, it says at the very end, your grumblings are at the very end of verse 8, your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. The truth is this. When we grumble at our situations, when we begin to gripe about what's going on, uh, it, we're really grumbling against God because He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. So uh, look how short-sighted they are. Verse 3. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, they're saying, if it had just been better to stay in Egypt, it had been better to die in Egypt, because we at least we had food in Egypt. You brought us out here to die. Better to have died in Egypt. Well, I thought they wanted to be free. I thought they didn't want to be slaves. I thought that they'd been slaves for over 400 years. I thought they were glad to leave. And now they're saying it had been better. Listen, when things go wrong, we tend to blame others, right? When something goes wrong, we tend to blame somebody else. When things go wrong, we forget that God is in control, and we forget how God is always taking care of us. Now think about it. When things go wrong, who are they blaming? They're blaming Moses and God is who they're blaming. And then second is they forget that God's in control, that God is the one who's brought them out there. How do we know God's brought them out there? Huh? How, how did he lead them? Cloud by day, fire by night. So God's the one leading them. They forget that. And then the third thing is they forget that God's always taking care of them. I mean, when they got into the Red Sea and they went, oh, no. And then who opened it up? Who got them across? Who closed it back? When they got there to the place and there wasn't any water, it was all bitter, who took care of them? Who gave them the, the, the place at Elam with the 12 springs and the, the date palms? Who gave them all that? God. And now they're out here and they're griping. And they're saying it had been better if we died by the hand of the Lord than brought out here. They forgive. How's God going to respond? See, sometimes... When you see things like this, you think you think you want to say, hey, you guys better be careful. You don't want to make God mad. I mean, because you're griping against the Lord. It's better, you know, just, why don't you just be quiet? Because be careful. What if, what if God gets mad? How's God going to respond? Look at verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. Now, the Lord says to Moses, God comes to Moses. We think God's going to be mad. God's not mad. God, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you. He says, I will rain bread from heaven for you. I will give bread food to eat from heaven. They don't even have to go find it. They don't even have to even go find it. He says, I'm going to rain it down. God will provide. And by the way, this is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. We've been seeing it in the book of John, that he is the bread of life. He is the bread that came down out of heaven. You remember they griped and they fussed it, and they were talking about Jesus, and they said, our, our, you know, God gave us the bread from heaven. And Jesus said, I'm the bread from heaven. I'm the bread from heaven. 
So the plan, he says this. Notice what he says. I will rain, this is verse 4 again, I will rain down bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they'll walk in my instructions. Now what we're going to find is he's going to be, uh, he, he's going to tell them, he's going he's to do this. He will be very specific on how much they're to get and when they're to get it. He's basically saying, I'm going to give you some instructions and I'm going to see if you'll obey my instructions. Now, has he given us any instructions? It's called the Word of God, right? I mean, we got, we got a whole bunch. People always say, I wish God would talk to me. I wish God would talk to me. I said, listen, he gave you a big book. He's talked to you in a big old book. If you Probably when you get all this done, he'll give you something else, but I don't think so, right? So he's going to be very specific. And the truth is, we are to obey the instructions that God has given to us. We have to trust Him every day. Think about it. The Bible talks about, give us this day our what? Daily bread, just to trust Him. Look, look at this. They had to trust Him during the plagues. They had to trust Him when they came out of Egypt. They had to trust Him at the Red Sea. They had to trust Him at the place of bitter water. And now they're going to have to trust Him to provide every day. Let me tell you this. You know, sometimes we get on the nation of Israel and we say, we say to them, you guys just didn't trust God. Well, we're the same way. But let me ask you something. We talked about this. When God parted the Red Sea and you were going to walk on that on dry land, was that a scary thing to do? There's walls of water on both sides. How do we know it's not going to fall back in on and drown every one of us? We had to trust God to make it across there. And, and when you're in the middle of the desert and there is no food or no water and you, you're out and, and you're going to keep, you're not going back to anything, you're going further out into the wilderness, we're going to say, listen, I don't know. Where are we going to get any food? Where are we going to get any water? God says, I'm going to test you. I'm going to give you bread. I'm going to give you bread every day. I'm going to tell you how much to get. I'm going to tell you when to get it. And you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me. Look what he says. I want to read verse 4 again. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. I'm going to tell them how much that is, a day's portion, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Now notice, on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Why is that? Okay, because they already know that even though they don't have the Mosaic Law, there's a pattern from, from the creation that God did that He worked and created on six days and rest on the seventh. There's already a pattern in their lives that they work for six days and they rest on the seventh. He's already told them, I'm going to provide for you every day this food. He said, now, here's what you're going to do, though. On the sixth day, when you bring it in, you're going to get twice as much. Why? Because... The next day is the Sabbath day, and they're to rest on the Sabbath, and they can't go out and get it. So you get twice as much on the sixth day, so that when it's the seventh day, you don't have to go out because it's rest day. They're going to have to trust God. Now, what would you do? Let's say that you get up, and there's this bread. We know we're going to see more about it in a minute. And it's there. And you could say, I'm going to get more than he told me to get. Why? It might not be there tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get extra, just in case. Or if I get what he told me to get, I may not eat every bit of it. I may just kind of slack up a little bit and save a little for tomorrow, just in case what? 
It may not be there tomorrow. But what God says is what? You're going to have to trust me. What happened to this bread that when they got it and they accidentally, they, they saved some for the next day just in case? It, it got worms in it. It spoiled. And they went, oh, my God, ugh, get that ugh, get that out of the tent. Ugh, ugh. Because he said, you're going to have to trust me. What happened on the sixth day when they were supposed to get twice as much? And the next morning they said, I think I'll go out and get some. Is there any out there? Not any out there. They're going to have to trust him. They're going to have to do exactly what he says. Look at verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumbling against the Lord, and what are we that you you grumble against us? We're, We're not the ones you're grumbling against. It's not us. He says, At the evening and the morning God will do something for you. What we're going to see is in the evening he's going to give them meat, and in the morning he's going to give them bread. Listen, God will provide both bread and meat for his people in the middle of the wilderness. To me, this is, this is unbelievable. I mean, if it was 15 people, 20 people, you might say, well, we can find something. We're talking 2 million people. He hears the grumbling. Look at verse 8. Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumbling, which you grumble against Him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against who? Against the Lord. And so think about it. When we grumble, we're not grumbling against, we're not grumbling against our leaders. We're not grumbling against our family. We're actually grumbling against God. God wants to provide. Now watch. I love this. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. Now what did he just tell them? God has heard the grumbling and he wants to meet with you. That's what he's done. Now has anybody ever said, uh, The principal he wants to see you in his office? Right? What are you expecting? I mean, Moses says, Aaron, if y'all announce to the people, God has heard your grumblings, he would like to meet with you. I know, I think I'd be saying, I think that uh, I'm just going to stand over here and y'all go talk to him, right? That's what you want to say. That's what we think. Look at verse 10. It came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. You know what I'd be saying? Oh no. He's coming. He's coming. And he's already mad. He's mad. Why? Why is he mad? Because we've been what? We've been grumbling. He's mad. Let me ask you something. What do you think the glory of the Lord looked like in that cloud? He didn't tell us, does he? You think it was like bright light? Do you think it was a, a, a some kind of darkness, like a dark cloud coming out of the cloud? I mean, what do you think it was? Do you think it was something that Ezekiel saw? You remember Ezekiel looked up and he saw this thing coming out and, and it looked like these animals that had these hooves and these wings and, and these wheels going in and out. And, and then on top of that was like a uh, like a throne and on the throne was, was the bottom part looked like it was burning and the top part looked sort of like a person but it had four different faces. And and, I mean, it's, and that was the glory of the Lord that Ezekiel saw. 
Do you think that's what they saw? Who knows what they saw? But, you know, if I'm in the group, I'm thinking what? I think we're in trouble. But look what happens. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... And by the way, notice that it's all capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's all the personal name of God all the way through this. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's the personal God. The personal God spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. We'd go, oh boy. Speak to them, saying, You are in trouble. That's, that's not what he says. At twilight... You'll eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now they were what? They were griping, and we kind of thought that when he shows up, we're going to all be in trouble. But when he shows up, he said, you tell them that there'll be meat at night and bread in the morning so that you will know that I am the Lord. Twilight in the evening, meat the morning bread. Why they don't get any meat? I mean, how many prairie dogs are there, right? I mean, what are they going to eat out there? Where are they going to get any meat? And then, what about the bread? Where are they going to get bread? He says, I want you to know that I am the Lord your God. That's, Elo- that's Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. God provides for us in the same way. He always promises to provide. He says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We should not grumble. Because when we grumble, we grumble against the Lord and... We can't always assume that he's going to be nice when he shows up. So what happened? It came about at the evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. Now, in the evening, what did he give them? Birds. They just came. They just came. They covered the camp. They're everywhere. They're going, look at all the birds that we can eat. They just flew in, right? They just flew in. The birds, this is the meat. But look what it also said, that in the morning there was this layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing. Notice how even the Bible says it's a flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Now this is the bread. They got up that morning and looking all around, there was this flake-like stuff thing on the ground. And they saw it everywhere. And they went, what is it? Isn't that what they said? What is it? What would you say if you saw it? What is it? And notice it says that the later dew evaporated. Behold, on the surface surface of the wilderness there was this fine flake-like thing fine as the frost on the ground when the sons of Israel saw it they said to one another what is it for they did not know what it was and Moses said to them it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat the Hebrew word for what is it is manu 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 what is it what is it they called it what manna it's what is it? Moses said, it's the bread. We said, that's bread? Yes, yeah, the bread. The manna will fall every day. Did I say that correctly? I didn't. The manna will fall continually 
for 40 years, but not every day. Because what day doesn't it fall? It doesn't fall on the Sabbath. The manna will fall beginning here all the way till they enter the promised land 40 years later. Every day He provides. He does provide every day, right? Just man is not there every day. Because on the day before the Sabbath, He provides twice as much. So you always got what you need. Look what he says. Here's the instructions. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it uh, every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. Now, we can't, we don't know exactly how much an omer is. Some say it's like about two liters. Nobody knows exactly. But what they're saying is basically count the number of people you have. How many you got in your tent? We got eight. Okay, you get eight omers. Because everybody's going to eat about an omer. That's what it says. So you go out, and if you got eight, you get eight. If you got six, you got six. You got fourteen, you get fourteen. You go out and you get that for each person in there. He says, For the Lord commanded, Gather it of every man as much as ye should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in the tent. So count the number of people you have and go out and get it. Remember, he said, I'm going to be very specific on how much you're to get and when you're to get it. Because, see, if you said, if God said, Everybody gets an omer, but somebody says, Well, every day I'm going to get two. Just in case. Why? Just in case. Now, you've got to trust Him. You can only get an omer a day. An omer a day keeps the... Well, anyway, you can only keep, get an omer a day. That's all you can get. And so watch what happens. Gather as much as each man should eat. You should take an omer a piece according to the number of persons that each you is ten. The sons of Israel did so. And some gathered much and some gathered little. Why? Why did some gather much and some gather little? More in the family. Exactly. There were more people. They measured it out. Notice the sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, some gathered little. When they measured it out with an omer, he who gathered much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. It came out what? Exactly right. You'd say, that is amazing. No, that's what God does, because God always provides just right. Doesn't he always provide just right? He always does exactly what he said he's going to do. Now, look at the instructions. Notice, Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. So you get the omer, you come in, you're supposed to eat the whole thing, and you say, that was good. In fact, it really tasted sort of like honey. And they ate it, and they said, boy, this is good. Uh, But what if we don't have it tomorrow? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat about three-quarters of mine just in case. And Moses said, wait a minute, let no man leave any of it until morning. Why? Why aren't you supposed to leave any of it? Huh? Because you're supposed to do what? Trust God that he'll have it the next day. But some did not listen to Moses. Does that surprise any of us? Does that surprise any of us that we don't listen to God? He tells us what to do, and we go, but, well, but. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some didn't. And they left part of it in the morning, and it, what? Bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. They went to get it the next morning, and it smelled terrible, and there's these worms, and, oh, oh, you can just see them getting rid of it, going, oh, whose idea was it to keep that? It was yours. And Moses was what? 
angry. And you know what he's saying? Are you not going to trust God? We're out here. We're going to have to depend on him every day. You're going to have to do exactly what he said. Six days, you've got to get it every day. On the sixth day, getting ready for the seventh day, you've got to get twice as much. And you can't save any of it. You're just going to have to trust him every day. And that's the picture is that we've got to trust him what? Every day. You know, we, we don't trust him for food in the way they did. Because what we do is we go to the grocery store and buy two, two weeks worth of food. Put it all in our refrigerators. So we say, I'm fine. I'm fine for the next couple of weeks. But the truth is we ought to trust him every day with everything. Now, he said, don't let no man leave any of it in the morrow. But some didn't listen to Moses and they took part of it and they left part of it and it bred worms. And Moses was angry with them. On that sixth day, they do get twice as much. Notice what he goes on to say. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would what? It melted. It disappeared. It was gone. So every morning when they got up, there it was. And it was called... What is it? What is it? Manna. And they would pick it up and they would get enough for each person and bring it in and they would eat it. And they probably ate it, ate it I probably I figured they probably ate it during the day. Now the one that was left out there when the sun came up was gone. You had to get up and you had to trust God every day, every morning, that He would provide for you. And you couldn't save any of it because it would ruin. And on the sixth day, you could save it because you got twice as much. And for some reason, it didn't ruin and it lasted the next whole day. In verse 20, it says Moses was angry. It is the truth that when we, when we obey the Bible, we're trusting God and we, we should do that. They gathered it. In verse 21, they gathered it morning by morning and then it was gone. What have we seen? Man's failure and God's provision. Man grumbles, God shows grace. God responds and provides the meat in the evening, the bread in the morning, and some days they gather twice as much. They're supposed to gather it every day, and then on the on the, Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, they'd gather twice as much. Now, we're going to see as we go next week, as or next time as we see it, we'll see that the uh, same thing. Sometimes people would get up on the Sabbath and go out and look for some, And, of course, there wasn't going to be any there. Now, let me give you some applications. The first one is this. We must trust God in the trials and situations of life. We have to. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know why we're going to make it. There are things that happen that we, just, we don't know the future. You don't know anything. And, and that's why when the Bible says over in James, when the guy says, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to this city and I'm going to stay for a certain period of time and I'm going to make as much money and come back. And he says, you can't say that because your life is just a vapor. You don't know. You can say, if the Lord wills, I'll go to that city. And so people come up to me and they say, you're going to the game? And I always say, Lord willing, because I don't know for sure if I'm going to go. I don't know if I get to go. I want to go. I plan to go. There's a lot of things I plan to do that I don't get to do. Right? There's things we say we're going to do or we'd like to do, but something comes up. Something changes. You can't say, I'm going to do this. What we can say is, I have to trust you every day. How can we respond in the situations of life? We can either grumble or trust Him. That's what it boils down to. We can either trust and obey or we can grumble. And too often I grumble. Too often when things aren't the way I want them, things aren't turning out the way I think they should turn out, I'm always saying, why didn't this do this? And, and what we have to do is trust. They had to believe that every day he would have that manna for them. Every day. And we have to trust him. John Bunyan was put into prison. 
for teaching the Word of God. And they said, you're going to stay in prison until you stop teaching. And he said this, I will stay in prison until moss grows on my eyelids rather than fail to do what God has commanded me to do. I love this quote, Mark Twain. You know, Mark Twain, we're not sure where he stood, but Mark Twain said he was talking to this businessman who considered himself very important. And the businessman said, I think I'm going to travel to Mount Sinai and read aloud the Ten Commandments. And Mark Twain said, why don't you just stay here and keep them? You know, that's Mark Twain. We have to trust him. We have to obey him. We have to realize that he is in control. Listen to this. What about God's promises? What if we say, it's impossible. He says, all things are possible. We say, but nobody loves me. And he says, I love you. I so loved the world that I gave my son. What if you say, I just can't go on. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. What if you say, I just can't do it. He says, you can do all things through the one who strengthens you. You say, but I just can't manage it. He says, I will provide all of your needs. But you say, I'm afraid. And he says, I've not given you the spirit of fear. You say, but I'm worried and I'm frustrated. He says, cast all your cares upon me. You say, I'm just not smart enough. He says, I'll give you wisdom. And you say, I feel so alone. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Great truth. Number two, remember that God is a God of grace. When I read that, if you, if you read it for the first time or if you read it pretending you don't know, sometimes I'll read the Bible not trying to remember everything else I know just as if I'm in the story and you think, that God says, I want to meet with the people because I hear they're grumbling, you think, oh boy, we're all in trouble. And what does he do? He says, I'm going to give you meat in the evening and bread in the morning. Then you'll know that I am the Lord, your God. We could walk away from that meeting going, he wasn't really mad. I thought he was going to be mad. He wasn't mad. He just provides. Sometimes, do you think God's mad at you? Let me ask you a question. When you sin, do you think God is mad at you? When you sin, do you think God doesn't love you as much as He did? You realize His love cannot change? He loves you with an ever, everlasting, unconditional love, and His love doesn't get bigger or smaller? If you serve Him, He doesn't love you more? If you don't serve Him, He doesn't love you less? He loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. God's not mad at you. He says in Psalms, He says He knows we're, he knows we're just dust. He wants us to live for Him and to bring honor and glory to Him. He is a God of grace. In the midst of our grumbling, He is a God of grace. He provides, He protects, and He keeps His promises. Aren't we glad it's dependent on Him and not on us? May we trust and obey our God who keeps His promises, for He is a gracious God who provides and protects. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about this passage, and we see that all these people in the middle of nowhere, we'd probably all be upset. And yet, you provided day after day after day after day. Lord, thank you for being a great God who provides and protects and always takes care of us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry that we trust you in the trials and situations of life. And Lord, we realize you're a God of grace. You deal with us in grace. You saved us by grace. The whole Christian life is by grace. The whole future is by grace. Thank you, Lord. 
that we can trust you and rest in you. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anybody have any questions or comments or anything about tonight's passage or anything? Hazel. You're trying to what? I imagine they had some tents and things. Yeah, they're probably sleeping on well. Where else would you sleep? Exactly. And when do they move? When the cloud moves, remember? And so they may move and they may not move. Unless the cloud moves. Yeah. And, but the cloud moved a lot. I mean, they've been moving on out. You know, they went to that, they got to the place with all the palm trees and everything, and now they've moved further out. And they've been gone uh, over a month. They're on their way to Mount Sinai because God made a promise to Moses that when Moses, he said, Moses, you go and you bring the people, you will bring the people back here to where he saw the burning bush, which was at Mount Sinai. He did. He took care of them for the whole 40 years. He could, but he didn't, did he? Because they were hungry and thirsty. I don't... What does it say? You didn't bring us out here to... We're all starving to death? What did he say? Uh, well, they've been out there a month. No, it didn't say that. We don't know what they did those other days. You remember, they, they got out... The first day, they got three days out into there and they didn't have any water. And they griped and they got them water. And then they went to Elam and they didn't tell us how long they stayed at Elam. And they could have stayed at Elam for a couple of weeks because you don't want to leave a place with all the water and the dates and everything. Then they leave and they're out there now. They've been out a little more than a month and they don't have any food or water. Well, I don't imagine they ate three meals a day. In fact, in that culture, they didn't eat three meals a day. Probably had some water with them, but how long is that going to last? Yeah. Well, see, I, I don't think they took water from Egypt. I think they took water from, probably took some way of taking the water from that 12, 12 streams and all that. They probably took some from that oasis. But how long did that last? And they don't have any water. And they said, uh, notice what they said? You have brought us into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. They're hungry. I think they, I think they hungered and thirsted every day, just like we do. And he's, they're going to have to trust him to provide. Uh, everything, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. When you think about it, two million people? It, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I don't think Cecil B. DeMille had two million in there, but it was a cast of thousands. Okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs>